0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Wobcast. I'm your host, Mike shall inside TCO Studios at Winter Park with producer Nate Vaughn. We want to apologize, we were not here for you last week. No Wobcast last week, too much going on, but we're going to make up for it this week. We're going to catch you up on what you've missed, talk about OTAs, because they have concluded, the Vikings have had 10 of them, and get into some fan mail 10 observations from OTAs, and a few other things to get to before this show is over. So thanks for being here. We're glad you're listening. Now let's get to work. News from around the league, Nate. Run us through some headlines, which uh, it appears are going to be dominated by player movement.
1: Player movement uh, transactions, and not in any specific order, Mm -hmm. uh, but the first one, kind of the latest, well, not even that. I'm lying. But... Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about is Jeremy Ma- Jeremy Macklin yes. being released from the Chiefs, uh, what a lot of people are considering to be a big surprise. Yeah, and I think it's mostly because of
0: name recognition and uh, the credibility that Jeremy has built up over a long and productive career in, in Philadelphia and Kansas City. I believe he's 29 or 30, so it's not like he's an old man. Um, still uh, able to contribute, but... He he, kind of he did not fall out of favor in Kansas City by any stretch, but he became kind of the third target. Really, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, I think, were more, um, you know, threatening options in that offense. So um, the Chiefs move on from Jeremy Macklin. He's taken visits, I believe, in Buffalo and Baltimore. I believe are the reports that are out there. So he'll get a job for sure. Uh, productive. Um, But, you know, Andy Reid had him in Philly. Andy Reid had him in Kansas City. If Andy Reid lets him go, maybe that tells you something about him. On the flip side, a player like Jeremy Macklin, productive, competitive will now have a chip on his shoulder. So some team's going to get a guy who's going to be out to prove that he still has some gas left in the tank.
1: Another receiver that's at least being rumored to be either about to be traded or released by the New York Jets, uh, Minnesota's own Eric Decker. Mm -hmm. One of us. One of us. So naturally the question is, can the Vikings squeeze some space on the roster for Eric Decker?
0: I don't know if that will happen. I don't don't know if it will either, especially with Michael Floyd having signed here and with how good the receivers have looked. You can't have...
1: All Minnesotans right. on the team.
0: Right. We need to, we need to um, you know, spread the love to some other areas. We do love to be pro- uh, provincial here. But uh, Eric Decker, like Macklin, I think still has some gas left in the tank and some teams going to get a good receiver.
1: Elvis Dumerville saw that. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Signs with the 49ers.
0: Yeah, you know, Elvis Doomerville really got a lot of uh, good coaching and burst onto the scene with the Denver Broncos when our current defensive line coach, Andre Patterson, was coaching him in Denver. So I've had a few different conversations with Andre about how they found Elvis Doomerville and um, just kind of his progression. Again, a guy who can get after the passer has been productive and may still have a little bit left in the tank. So John Lynch, uh, the new GM of the 49ers, dips into the veteran free agent pool and adds a pass rusher to his defense
1: going back to the New York Jets they have all they actually have done this they have cut David Harris linebacker what do you know about him
0: tackling machine um, can run and tackle with the best of them very productive but the Jets are jettisoning a lot of their veterans including it looks like Eric Decker David Harris um, Darrell Rivas Brandon Marshall the list goes on. Um, maybe Matt Forte, before all is said and done, is another one. So, um, I guess I haven't watched enough of David Harris to tell you, like, if he's as good as he ever has been right now at this stage in his career. I think he's a ten-year guy. Uh, but again, he's, you know, the interesting thing about these guys being released is. Um, they're going to be signed by another team. And that means someone else on that team is going to lose a job. So the domino effect just is going to keep going from these, these veteran releases. And, um, you know, it's, you, you see some of these releases happen after June 1st, you know, because teams are starting to get a look at their rosters. They see some young guys coming up who they like, and they're willing to part with a veteran to give that young guy an opportunity. And, and maybe that's what happened in Kansas city with Jeremy Macklin. Um, Maybe the Chiefs think they have another Tyreek Hill on the roster and that guy can't realize his potential if he's got a veteran squatting on his reps and why wait any longer? So, um, you know, David Harris, another guy out there who um, will be picked up by a team and will probably um – Uh, Be a productive player in 2017.
1: And one last guy who doesn't really need to worry about job security anyway, Mm -hmm. but he has a couple extra years to not worry about it is Julian Edelman staying in New England.
0: Yep, makes sense for them. Obviously, a tremendous system fit, has comfort and chemistry with Tom Brady. Very productive. There can't be many receivers with more catches than Edelman over the last two or three years. Antonio Brown probably. Maybe Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, but It'd be a short list. Yeah, not many more than uh, than Julian Edelman. So the AFC East will still have to deal with Julian Edelman twice a year, and now we're going to have to deal with some Mike Zimmer sound because we heard from the Vikings head coach for the first time since when? Did you say
1: probably rookie minicamp? Unless you count Oof. our FaceTime interaction. with uh, him a We should weeks count ago. that.
0: We did FaceTime with the head coach when he was at his ranch in Kentucky, and my point remains. We I, we kicked that off with him by saying. Everyone was talking about how you can't trust Zimmer to relax, so you have to send him to the ranch. And we've been to the ranch. There we have. a lot of fun things to do at the ranch. So I think they know he can relax because if you were worried someone couldn't relax, you wouldn't send him to the ranch. Exactly. There's so much fun to be had there. Exactly. But anyway, he got some relaxation in. He came back for the last week of OTAs. He'll be here next week for minicamp. We've got some sound from Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer as he talks about his team.
2: Sunday afternoon, a doctor met me uh, at his office and checked the eyes so we can get this out of the way. Um, he said everything was good. The only thing he said was that uh, probably shouldn't do very many media sessions anymore. Yeah.
3: What's your kind of assessment of how things went while you were gone and how the team looked now that you're back with them?
2: Um, yeah, you know, the... the you know, I thought the players uh, did a great job of uh, understanding the situation and, and trying to trying to stay with uh, you know the things we we're trying to progress to, and and uh, the coaches did a, did a great job working together. You know, that's always hard when you got offense going against defense and things like that, but they worked together very well. They you know they listened to uh, you know all the direction that, that I gave them uh, uh, each day and. Um, they, they did a really good job, so um, I'm very lucky and very fortunate to have um, not only the coaches that I have, but the team that I have.
4: We definitely missed him when he was gone. You know, um, Zim going to be Zim. He's going to be on us pretty hard. He won everything basically perfect on both sides of, side of the ball. And um, just the energy of the field uh, of practice, you know, it's the same. You know, We're out there practicing, competing each and every day, trying to make each other better, better.
3: Honestly I think we've done a great job. I think the coach has done a great job of uh we know that he's been watching, so we know that we have to keep keep it up and we have a great veteran leadership that you know we've we've honestly we've had really good practices be when he, even when he wasn't here but but yeah at the same time we, we obviously want him to he, be here. He's our leader and um we like when he's here. How Adam, how do you guys kind of still go about your work the same way when he isn't here? It's like having a substitute teacher or something. Right. Yeah, no, I think I think because of the fact we know he's watching. Yeah. Uh, he's not taking a day off from watching the film. So we know he's watching. We know when he gets back. Um, I think the first words he said to me were something that I did wrong, the, you know, when he wasn't here. So
4: <laughs> uh, When he was out, yeah, he was texting me quite a few, uh, telling me, you know, uh, correcting me on my techniques and uh, the things I need to correct, you know, make sure, I, make sure you know, uh, I, I'll be better the next day. You know, if I want to be great, I need to. You no, know I'm saying look at the little things and correct the little things.
3: I think everybody on this team is glad that he took time for himself and just uh, got his health down before uh, he came back. And um, but at the same time, we're glad he's back because um, this team isn't the same without him. And um, obviously, like I said, he's our leader. So uh, when he's here, uh, practice is a little different.
0: One thing I've heard uh, Mike Zimmer say quite a bit, Nate, is he'll say, "My guys are soldiers. I don't worry about them when I'm gone." Um, and he's complimenting the people who are here, and I think particularly his. Coaching staff, because he knows that those guys can run the show even without him. Mike Zimmer is not one to think, you know, to make the mistake and think that um, someone is irreplaceable. He's been around this game long enough to know that the show goes on, and um, and he talked about that and and seemed pleased with what happened around here when he was gone. Competition—that's the name of the game this time of year, and it's the name of the game at mini camp next week, and it's the name of the game when we go to training camp in Mankato five or six weeks from now, and there is a lot of competition going on around Winter Park. One of the competitions we'll be monitoring, and we actually talked to Vikings linebackers coach Adam Zimmer about this recently in an interview that will be aired on Vikings.com this summer, the competition for the third linebacker spot. And we're going to hear what Mike Zimmer had to say about that, but to kind of frame it up, it's, it's the outside linebacker spot is vacant because Chad Greenway has retired but I don't think the team is married to the idea of having the new "quote unquote" starter be an outside linebacker. This is a crew that just wants to find the three best linebackers and put them out on the field.
2: Mike, how do you size up the battle for the starting spot to replace Chad Greenway? I, you know, Robinson's obviously been running mostly with the first team. Lemur's been out, but how do you size it up? It's it's so early, you know. Uh, Emmanuel's been out for I not know four or five days now, and um, you know, we're going to look at all the guys in there. So like I said before, he, um, uh, Edmonds had a couple good days here the last couple of days and <clears throat> I think he's feeling more comfortable with it. So, uh, you know, we'll just see, um, you know, I'm not opposed to one of these younger guys if they end up being the guy.
0: And finally, Nate, something maybe we're not quite used to Xavier Rhodes being vocal, but maybe it's starting to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's always kind of joked around with some of, uh, especially the defensive back groups. Mm -hmm. Um, They seem like a particularly close position group. But now he's, it seems like he's making an effort to reach beyond just the position group to some of the linebackers, some of the defensive line, even some of the receivers, whether that's trash talking a little bit Mm -hmm. and maybe getting in their face or like giving them actual productive advice.
0: And Zim knows the difference between a guy who's yapping too much and a guy who's being vocal in a productive team building, confident way. Zim knows the difference, and I think he likes what he sees in Xavier Rhodes.
4: Oh, uh, I feel like you know I need to be heard. I need the guy. I think the guys are real looking forward to seeing me talk, be more vocal, be more much of a leader. And, um, so I'm trying to take a upon and get used to that role. So I'm just starting here in practice.
3: That been difficult at times for you or are
4: you yeah it's been difficult for me uh before I was just a quiet guy come and practice and just do what I need to do now I understand the role I'm in now and I'm trying to help the team best way I can but you know Xavier Xavier's a kid that never has a bad day he's always going to be uh
2: uh excited to be out here he's always going to um uh be happy to be able to play football and and do the things that he can do and then uh I think him having some success last year and being able to go to the Pro Bowl and, and some of those things, I think <clears throat> I think that's given him another boost of confidence. So um, you know we we still have to make sure that he's doing things right every single day, but um, but he's a, a guy that listens, and I you know he's one of those guys that <clears throat> you know when you when you try to teach some guys some techniques and and try to teach him. Um, how to play the game, and then they start having success at doing those things. Um, you know, they feel good about not only the coaching, but uh, um, the things he's being taught, and, and hopefully to be able to take the next step from there.
4: Oh man, you know I'm comfortable in the defense. You know I'm comfortable in everything I'm in. I have um, a lot of confidence in my game. So a lot from from then to now. You know, so um, yeah, I can say it's, it's a lot of improvement.
0: Okay, Nate, enough of what Zim thinks. Let's yeah. talk about what we think.
4: Yeah, what really matters, right?
0: <laughs> all right. Let's talk about what we think from OTAs. We were both out there for um, for most of the OTAs. I had to miss one. Did you go to all 10?
1: Uh, Yeah, more or
0: less. Way to go. All right. Thank, so thank you. Um, we've got a bunch of uh, OTAs. They don't need to
1: be mandatory for me right. to be there.
0: That's right. You're 10 for 10. We've got a bunch of observations after being at a bunch of OTAs. So let's go through 10 of them since we had 10 OTAs. I'll go first, all right? All right. For me, um, one of the observations is Laquan Treadwell has clearly taken a step forward. I know they're running around in shorts and helmets, but to me it's clear Laquan has been given opportunities, slash he's earned them, and he's making the most out of them. Lots of passes that you see in our highlight videos that we put up daily, and while you're out there watching it in person, lots of Bradford to Treadwell. And I'm not saying that Bradford is honing in on only Treadwell, I'm saying It's notable that you're seeing Treadwell catch passes from Bradford and not the second or third team quarterback. He's catching passes from the starting quarterback. It's noticeable and it's
1: good. And we heard from uh, Pat Shermer early in the off-season workouts, when they were only allowed to lift weights and, and do conditioning exercises, he mentioned right away that Laquan looked like a different player. Sure. And, and Coach Zimmer said the same thing, right. that, that he seems like a different player. He knows there's an opportunity for him, and he's taken advantage of it so far.
0: So this doesn't mean that he's going to be awesome for us this year, but if he is going to be awesome for us this
1: year, he has to have done what he's done so far. So that's good. What do you Number got? two. Uh, well, next on the list we have Teddy's rehab. Obviously, a thing that a lot of people have been talking about, you know, all through last season, all through this off season, and and through workouts so yep. far. Um, it's it's a big talking point. There there is progress. We can see that. Obviously, he's he's on the field. He's able to drop back, throw passes, and things mm-hmm. like that. But it's still. Uh, it's fair to say there's still a ways to go yeah. with Teddy.
0: I mean, he's not participating in the practices. He's doing his rehab on the side, but he's doing things that the guys are doing in practice. He's just not doing it with the guys, and I right. think that would be the next big step is to see him out there with the guys. But um, awesome to see how far he's come. Coach Zimmer has been impressed. Rick seemed optimistic. Still a long way to go. But again, so we don't know if he's going to make it all the way back or not, just like we don't know if Laquan's going to be the guy or not that we think that we want him to be but if he's going to do that if Teddy's going to make it all the way back he has to have done what we've just seen him do so um he's checking off things on the checklist we like what we've seen
1: and it's good just to have him around I mean everybody know everybody seems to like Teddy whether you're a teammate a person who works here or a fan He's, he's a favorite of everyone and he shows up and he could just be you know still Mm -hmm. grumpy about what happened to him last year uh, but he's not he's the same teddy he's he's it's it's good to have him back in the building number three um for me the defense looks fast and
0: they have continuity they have all the starters except greenway returning and so there's not a big for the first team defense there's not a big learning curve or thinking process here they're kind of clicking on all cylinders and they look like it on the practice field they look fast they look creative They look productive, um, and I just like how our defense looks right now, and I'm very excited to see them play the first few series in preseason games because I think it's going to look really good.
1: Yeah, it's been fun to watch the the either full team or like seven-on-seven style drills Mm -hmm. where a lot of or all of the defense is against a lot of or all of the offense because that's really when you see uh, how comfortable the defense is, and, mm-hmm. and how, like you said, fast they can move, yep. uh, how much they can do on the fly, and, and how excited they are that they're all still together yeah. and, and ready to put together another good season. It's a fa- this, this group has a lot of speed. There's team speed for our defense. One group that doesn't necessarily have a lot of speed, speed, but has a lot of depth is defensive tackle, and yes. that's the next one you have of note here. Um, defensive tackle... Defensive end also, mm-hmm. you could put defensive line yeah, as, as that whole yeah. group.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, last year's two starters were Linval and Shamar. It looks to me like Shamar could be a backup to Linval this year because they've fortified the three technique spots so well, even without Sharif Floyd. Dayton Jones has been in there. Jaleel Johnson, the draft pick from? Your Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa has been in there. Uh, Will Sutton has been in there. I love the depth at D tackle. It's an important position to have depth. We have it. Those guys look good, and of course, we have Linval. He's the straw that stirs the drink in the middle to begin with. I love our D tackles,
1: Linval, and then also uh, don't forget Tom Johnson. And Tom Johnson. Tom Johnson's been in the mix, too. and
0: really, he's been the starter at three tech in, in these OTAs. We'll right. See if that continues.
1: And then if I'm going to keep we're, we keep looking at the next one, but there's still more and more to talk about. You talk about last year they used Brian Robinson. inside. Kicked him inside. In in like passing situations. So Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you would really consider him a D-tackle but you know there's a lot of guys to choose from in that position. Yep. For sure. So that's exciting.
0: All right, Number five.
1: Number five. How about Dalvin Cook? Dalvin Cook is fun to watch.
0: Yeah. I think he looks legit.
1: It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Fast but still like light on his feet. Like Mm -hmm. you never know which way he's gonna go. Yep. Uh, It's been fun to listen to also like some of the some of the players saying, like, hey, this guy's all right. Yeah. You know, That's not a thing that a lot of players like to say about rookies right away. Mm-hmm. They like to kind of have that's, them earn that's their true. stripes.
0: Yep, that's true. Um, and, you know, we don't take running backs to the ground in OTAs and really true. even in training camp. I just have a feeling in watching Bursich break down Dalvin Cook film, which he did the last couple, uh, you know, two weeks ago for us on Vikings.com, I just don't think... There are very often tacklers who come in and generically tackle Dalvin Cook. Like it you gotta be fundamentally sound and in the right spot and or gang tackling Dalvin Cook. And that's I really like that about him. He's got speed, he's got a low center of gravity, and I think he's got really good body control and vision. So I think he's a hard guy to tackle for all those reasons, and I've been impressed with what I've seen. I'm not going to go to the Adrian Peterson comparison where back in 07, it was very clear that Adrian was, you know, a standout at this time of the year. Like, it was just like, I mean, he was a rookie. He was, he's a 20, like, 21 or 22 year old kid out there in 07. Um, and we had a really good run defense. We had Pat Williams and Kevin Williams um, and EJ Henderson and Ben Lieber and, um, Greenway, like we we had a really good front and um and Adrian was just like a beast. So I think that was a little more a dramatic scene maybe than Dalvin, but not not far behind for Dalvin. I've really been impressed.
1: Another thing too, we're he's not on this list here, but while we're talking about the running backs, Jarek McKinnon, let's not forget about him because yeah. because he has come back and looked he looks stronger yeah. and he looks more decisive. Obviously, you know, he started a lot of the games last season. So he kind of has that experience under his belt, and, and you can really tell.
0: Yeah, um, and he's versatile. Um, I think he, you can use him on all three downs. You can use him on a couple of phases of special teams as a gunner, as a returner. So yeah, Jarek McKinnon, very valuable guy on the roster. And
1: then obviously we have Latavius Murray still yeah. not participating, but whenever that gets going, like who knows what could happen.
0: Yeah, and it'll be something new. It'll be fun. I look forward to. It should be a training camp when we see him. See what that looks like. Should be eleven of his twelve touchdowns from inside the ten last year, I believe. There we go. So maybe he's our power guy. Um, special teams, some position battles wide open. That's the next observation. Basically every position. Yeah, battle is wide kicker, open. punter. We have two of each on our roster. They're battling for roster spots. I'm not gonna favor any of them over the others. I just don't think we've seen enough, and we'll let what happens in training camp decide that but obviously Kai Forbath is the incumbent kicker Marshall Kane from
1: another Iowa Hawkeye
0: is challenging um, and then of course two punters Ryan Quigley and Taylor Samank so uh, we'll see those guys punt and kick it off uh, at training camp Uh, The returner spots, Uh, punt returner obviously not open. Marcus Sherrill's returns, one of the best in the league, had two touchdowns last year, but the kickoff return spot wide open. Um, Cordero Patterson was a gunner last year as well, so a starting gunner spot is open. Um, I've heard some good things about some of those rookie linebackers as special teamers, Ben Gideon and Elijah Lee. I think Kentrell Brothers is a great special teams guy um, as well. So um, lots to talk about with special teams this training camp after the OTAs.
1: One guy that's getting some reps on some of, especially those return positions, Mm -hmm. uh, a guy you have listed here is Hot Rod. Hot Rod.
0: He's the next observation. I think uh, Rodney Adams, the rookie from South Florida, has looked really good as a receiver and um, on special teams. I'm excited about what he brings to the table, especially once the ball gets in his hands um, in the – in the, in the offense, um, him as a receiver, making people miss yards after the catch. I like a lot of what Rodney Adams has done so far. Again, take it with a grain of salt. We're in shorts and helmets, not pads, no tackling. Um, but so far, so good, I think, for hot rod Rodney Adams.
1: He, he is fun to watch. He seems to, and I'm no expert on route running and the routes he's running. They could be completely wrong, but there's something about like the way he can he can create separation mm-hmm. it seems and and he can get open yep because his feet just move so fast yes
0: and i also see him make a lot of catches you know where he's going at a high speed um and is reaching is like outstretched and catches it and doesn't go to the ground and stays on his, Keeps feet. his feet and I think if you just put that statement in a vacuum, you sound silly like you sh- anyone should be able to do that. But, you know, there's 21 other guys out on the field, and half of them are trying to prevent you from catching it. So it's not really the easiest thing in the right. world to do. So I've been impressed with that from him.
1: Let's stay with the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs, I mean, basically locked in at one and two. Yes. And, and I think a lot of Vikings fans are pretty excited about that that they have two receivers that they're like, yep, these, these are our top two guys.
0: Yes, and if you're one who looks at Diggs and Thielen as being your 1-2 and you're comparing it to what other teams might have at 1-2 and two, and you feel a little trepidation or hesitation, I'm encouraging you to not feel that and to feel good about it. Right, Bradford's going to spread the ball around. So maybe those guys aren't going to be 100 catch guys, but they can both be 1,000-yard guys, and they both almost were last year, and that was when Bradford was running for his life half the time. He's not going to be running for his life half the time this year. He's going to have more time to throw, more passes to those guys. They're going to be productive. But also we have Kyle Rudolph, who's better than what most people have at as a pass catcher at tight end, and I think he's going to alleviate some pressure in terms of coverage on Diggs and Thielen. So Um, I'm not saying we're going to make the 1999 St. Louis Rams blush, but (laughs) given Sam Bradford's ability and willingness to spread the ball around, I like the different skill sets we have uh, with Rudy and Diggs and Thielen and Laquan coming on and Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon. There's just a lot of different ways we can challenge defenses. I don't think... Um, if you just take pass rush and pass protection out, and you think about how teams play coverage, I think because we have different types of of pass catchers, I don't think there's going to be one type of coverage that's going to stymie us. You know, I think we're going to be able to attack a lot of different coverages with the guys we have.
1: And I think one of the cooler things I've experienced—I haven't been around forever—but one of the cooler mm-hmm. things I've experienced being a part of the NFL is seeing Adam Thielen. From his his rookie tryout mm-hmm. to now, he's locked in. Like you, you write his name in ink in the right. depth chart, depth pretty cool. receiver. That's yeah. a pretty cool thing. He was literally a
0: tryout player, right?
1: Yeah, so well deserved. And uh, we look for a lot of a lot more yeah. great things from from both of those guys. Yeah. All
0: right, we have two more to go. I'll take one, Nate, and you take the other one. Sounds good. I'm gonna go with Daniil Hunter. He's basically the starter, starter at left defensive end, and I know Brian Robinson's going to be mixed in there, and those guys are going to are gonna each have reps and snaps, and you can kick Robison inside from time to time and have both of them on the field at the same time, but we'll get into all that later once we get to training camp. Daniil Hunter is emerging as a regular contributor, a guy who can be a starter if you need him to be at left defensive end, maybe at right defensive end too. Um, I mean, literally... A moldable piece of clay two years ago when he was drafted and he was like seven years old. And <laughs> now he's, you know, a third year guy. Our coaches have had their hands on him for, th- for all three of those years and he is really developing into a starting caliber defensive end. He had 12 and a half sacks last year. Like, we're not talking about let's shoot for uh, the moon and you'll land among the stars. Like, this, right. no, he had 12 and a half sacks last year. Like, right. this guy's really good and other offense offenses have.
1: They have to worry about him. Right. Plus Everson Griffin. Yeah. So, Daniel Hunter is good. Daniil Hunter seems to be very good. Yeah. And it seems like n- not just like each – obviously, he came back from this off season and he looked bigger. Right. But it seems like every day you see him and he looks bigger. Right. Like, yes. he goes home and he, he puts on five more pounds of muscle. Right. And then he comes back the next day bigger than he was before. Exactly. That's unrealistic. I know. But that's what it seems like, right? Because he's such a big human being.
0: We like Daniel Hunter.
1: We do. Yeah. We're fans. Yeah. Finally, uh, we're going to round this out with Sam Bradford, and and the off season he has actually had with now. us, with us, yes. And it's it's been a theme um, throughout the workouts, and now going into minicamp, um, all the receivers have talked about it in their media availabilities. Rudy's talked about it. Coaches have talked about it. They're excited because. And they, they're all saying the same things, like he was really good last year yeah. and he didn't have an Yeah. So now this offseason is it's like just adding on to that and yep. everybody's excited about it.
0: And it's also the offense that he was essentially running in Philadelphia when we traded for him. So, um, you know, because that was Shermer's kind of system and or at least it was Shermer's language and tutelage because Shermer was with him in Philly. Then Sam came here and had to learn Norv's deal you know, eight days before the season, but now he's back in Shermer's system for a full off season. He should feel comfortable. He looks comfortable. All right. Those are our 10 OTA observations. Mini camp is what's next. So a lot of what we just talked about, uh, will be the storylines that emerge from mini camp, the third linebacker spot, Laquan Treadwell. Can he keep it going? The, uh, special teams battles. um, And then, of course, the defensive line rotation. All that stuff and more we'll be covering at minicamp next week. Three practices, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Vikings.com is your source for wall-to-wall coverage of the only mandatory minicamp in 2017 for the Vikings.
1: All right. So let's wrap this up with some fan mail. Okay. Question number one from Chase. Who is taking the first team reps at nickel corner? Number three wide receiver and defensive tackle next to Linval and running back.
0: Okay. This is it's very standard to dance around these things and say, "Ah, we don't really know yet. It's still the offseason. Let's just give some direct answers. And the reason I feel comfortable doing that is because they're subject to change. We haven't even been to training camp. We haven't put pads on yet. But so far and and media has been out to a few of the OTAs and they've been talking about this, too. But so far from what from my, my perception is nickel corner is Mac Alexander. Terrence Newman is there as well. Either one of those two guys can do it. Terrence obviously knows this defense as well as any player that's on the field. Um, but I think that Mac Alexander has a good shot to win that job. And, and that's kind of ideal if he does because now Terrence is your super sub. He's your sub at nickel corner if something happens with Mac, and then he can come in for either Trey or Xavier for whatever reason. If you just want to keep legs fresh, if one of them gets hurt, if one of them uh, needs to be replaced. Number 3 wide receiver, Laquan Treadwell, it appears to me. Now the X factor here is Michael Floyd, the signing of Michael Floyd. Um, We don't know about his availability early in the season um, because of a possible suspension, Um, but Floyd is certainly going to be in the mix once he is eligible to be in the mix, but uh, Laquan Treadwell certainly for now. Uh, Defensive tackle next to Linval, as we talked about earlier. Lots of guys rotating in here, but it seems like Tom Johnson is getting a lot of the reps right now. And then at running back, Jarek McKinnon is the one who's out there with the ones at the start of practice, but Dalvin Cook has been mixed in uh, liberally, I would say. I mean, he's getting a lot of run with the first team as well. Um, The X factor with this one is Latavius Murray, who was signed in the offseason, but has been hurt and has not been participating in the offseason program. Um, So... I shouldn't say he's not participating in the offseason program because he's here and he's participating in the classroom stuff and the meetings, but he just hasn't been out on the field. We hope he'll return at the start of training camp. But um, for now, the answers to those questions I think are Mac Alexander, Laquan, Treadwell, Tom Johnson, and Jarek McKinnon.
1: Question number two from William says, how is the defense looking so far this year?
0: Well, William, if you're listening, you've already heard us talk about the defense and how they looked in OTAs. They're looking awesome. Continuity is there. They are operating almost like they're clicking on, on all cylinders, uh, which is uncommon at this time of year. Um, but because there is so much continuity and returning starters and returning production, this defense looks loaded to me. And I am really high on the group. Um, there are lots of ascending players, including the man in the middle, Eric Kendricks. Um, so I'm just very high on the Vikings' defense right now.
1: And don't let that get you down on the Vikings' offense because the defense so, yeah. is, is is having a lot of success. Uh, I mean, if nothing else, you know, that they're practicing against one of the better defenses in the league right. every single day. Which is going to help. So, so they're not yeah. I know there's no pads or anything, but they're not going to line up against a, a bunch of teams that have better defenses than the ones they're practicing against. They're not.
0: So. I mean, s- sidebar, put some defenses in in the tier that you would put the Vikings defense. Well, Seattle.
1: Yeah, I guess you you kind of have to put them there until they okay. prove otherwise.
0: I I mean
1: there are some. We're not going to say that they're like they're far and away the best defense in the NFL. Seattle,
0: but, Denver. They lose yeah. Marcus Ware. I'll put Denver in there. New England when they're when they're awesome. New England, uh, the Giants' defense was pretty good last year, but the point is. The Vikings offense is going up against arguably the NFL's best defense every day in practice.
1: That's going to help them. So there you go. So don't be excited about the defense, but don't be disheartened about the offense. Correct. And the offense hasn't looked bad. I don't want to make it sound no, like that. not at because, all. Uh, just the individual battles are fun to watch. Mm-hmm. You're talking about like Adam Thielen against Xavier Rhodes, mm-hmm. Diggs against Rhodes. Um, it's hard to tell with offensive and defensive line, but, you know, they're, getting a little angry at each other you know when one has a little success and the other doesn't so so that that stuff has been fun to watch question number three how is pat Elfline progressing at the role of center i
0: think he's getting there um i would imagine that center is a very difficult position to come in as a first year player whether you're a rookie um, or a free agent signing but particularly as a rookie you know and and get assimilated into the operation because you're kind of the leader of that group. You are obviously working with the quarterback and you're making calls and checks at the line. And there's lots of stuff going on in front of you. You have to snap the ball and then get your head up and block. Like it's just, I would think it's one of the more difficult positions to come in as a first year player or a rookie. So that's what Elf line is dealing with running a lot with the twos with Nick Easton being the starter at center. But that has set the stage for what will be a training camp battle in Mankato for the starting center spot between Easton and Elfline uh, with Berger at guard. Now, you always know you can fall back on Berger as your center if you don't like what you've seen from Easton or Elfline. But um, I think that um, Elfline is, is, looks like what he should look like at this stage of uh, you know his his rookie season um toward the end of the off-season program so um we'll know more I think about the entire offensive line and we'll talk more about the offensive line in Mankato when pads are on and you can kind of evaluate those guys a little bit more
1: so that was kind of a big brain dump of everything mm-hmm. we've seen especially yeah. the last two weeks uh since the last episode but um so a lot of information has been gathered but there's even more still just wait and see yes that's right. And and even Minicamp won't solve a lot of that. No,
0: it won't, but it's the last thing that we get to see before we do start drawing conclusions, which happens down in Mankato. So I'm excited for that. And it'll be three days of it. It'll be next week. You'll see lots of stuff coming from the Vikings Entertainment Network as we cover Minicamp for you, and we'll have another edition of the WODcast as well. So we're looking forward to that. Anything else that we should get to? I think that's it. That's it. Let's get out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Wobcast. Until then, and on behalf of producer Nate Vaughn, I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw. signing off for now.
1: So, yeah!